one of the criminals who hung there, hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our sins deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Well, how? How could this criminal be with Jesus that very day upon his death, welcomed into the heavenly courts? He wasn't a good man. Crucifixion wasn't used for petty theft. He was most likely a fierce highwayman or an insurrectionist. Why is he welcomed into paradise? He certainly doesn't deserve it, and he can't earn it. He's got no time to go to church, to get baptised, to take communion. He can't do any good works to earn his way in. His hands are literally nailed down and he'll be dead within hours. But when he dies, this criminal is assured by Jesus, you will enter paradise with me. Well, in a few moments now, I want to take us to a particular theme that Luke highlights in his gospel, and that is of Jesus' death as a new exodus, as a rescue for his people. It came up first, those of us who've been here on Sundays, you may remember, may remember a while back now, from chapter 9 in the Transfiguration account. Now the Transfiguration is in three of the Gospels, but only in Luke's Gospel does he tell us what Moses and Elijah and Jesus talked about on the mountain. This is Luke 9. As Jesus was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his exodus, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. And so from then on, as we journey to Jerusalem, we are thinking, when is this exodus going to happen? And what is it going to look like? Well, one link, of course, is Jesus' orchestration of events so that he dies at Passover. Last night that was being thought about. Immediately after the Passover meal, Jesus says to Judas, Now, go now, because it is right that the Passover lamb, the true Passover lamb, Jesus, who takes away the sins of the world, must die at Passover, a remembrance of what happened at the Exodus. But now here in the passage that we've just had read, we see another link in the darkness that comes over the whole land. This is verse 44. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining. And so if we have this theme in our minds of Exodus, what might that remind us of? The ninth plague the plague of darkness, the plague just before the Passover itself. This is Exodus chapter 10. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand towards the sky so that darkness spreads over Egypt, darkness that can be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand towards the sky and total darkness covered all Egypt 
for three days. No one could see anyone else or move about for three days. That darkness was a sign of God's judgment, a sign of God's displeasure, a sign of his just anger against the evils committed by Pharaoh and those under him, of injustice, of impression, of slavery, of genocide. And God hates injustice even more than we do. But Egypt's persecution of Israel for God is personal. These are God's words to Moses in Exodus 4. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son, and I say to you, let my son go. And so when that darkness spreads across the land of Egypt, that sign of God's judgment of displeasure, it wasn't dark where Israel lived. It was not dark where God's son was. Exodus 10 again. Total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or move about for three days. Yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. And so as we come to the cross, and there was three days of darkness in the Exodus, now we see three hours of darkness across the land. It's no surprise to us. Of course, this is a sign of God's judgment, of his displeasure, a sign of his just anger against the evils of oppression, of injustice, seen focused here in the crucifixion of God. But we might also expect that as in Egypt, when darkness covered the land but did not cover God's son Israel, well, we would expect light still to shine on God's Son, on the cross, innocent on the cross. But it does not. God held back the darkness from his Son, Israel, but he does not hold back the darkness from his true firstborn Son, Jesus. Darkness covers Jesus in every sense, physical, spiritual and he breathes his last. In 1949 there was a fire in the Man Gulch River Valley in Montana. It had been a long hot summer and the vegetation was brown and tinder dry. Forest fires were breaking out all over the region and uh, forest ranger James Harrison radios in a message that fire has started in the valley. And what they did at that time was they would dispatch a team of smoke jumpers, men who would fly in and parachute out of the plane. And 15 of these smoke jumpers were detached, dispatched. The team leader was a veteran with nine years' experience, a man named Wag Dodge. But it was a disaster from the start. High winds meant that the men and their equipment were scattered all over the hillside. Their radio equipment was broken. And though they were told that it was only a small blaze, by the time they arrived, it was already out of control. There was no way that they could tackle it. And so Wag directed his men from the south side of the valley where the fire was to the north side of the valley. And they sheltered there. But the wind changed and turned and brought the fire towards them. It tore down the south valley, jumped the small river in the bottom and began to chase them up the north slope. They dropped their tools and ran for the top, hoping to outrun the fire, but none of them did. 
only wag who did not run was saved. And that was because as they were running for the top, he realized they would never make it. And he had an idea. He stopped and he took a box of matches out of his pocket and he lit the ground in front of him. And the fire took hold and raced up the hill. And he shouted to the others to stop, but in their panic, they ran on. And then Wag stepped forward onto this new patch of charred ground and lay down on it. And as the fire came up either side, it raged either side of him, but he was safe. He was unharmed. What Wag did that day was known, is now known as an escape fire. It's now standard practice. Why was Wag saved? He was saved because where the fire had burned once, it could not burn again. At the cross, the perfect, innocent, righteous, firstborn Son of God took the full force of God's displeasure against sin. His righteous judgment on this rebellious world's sin. But that darkness fell on Jesus so that it might never fall on us. This is how the thief next to Jesus is allowed in. He opted to step into the safe zone of Jesus' death where God's judgment would have had already passed in the cross. And where the fire of God's judgment has burned once, it cannot burn again. This thief's sin, his unrighteousness, all taken by Jesus. And that is why we call this crucifixion day, this memory of a murder, Good Friday. Jesus chose to die so that if we, like that thief 2,000 years ago, have acknowledged our need for Jesus and stepped into the safety of his death, then we can know our past forgiven, our future secure with Jesus in paradise and the wonder of knowing that our Father in heaven loves us. Jesus' righteousness is now ours. He loves us. What a good Friday indeed.